All right, good morning. You open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in Luke 5. We're just, our selected portion is just... Um, is that too close? Okay. Uh, it's just going to be 11 verses. 11 verses. This is Luke chapter 5. But let's, um, before we get started, let's open in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just, as we open up your book... We just want to seek and read from your book. We just ask you to teach us as we look into it. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, before uh, we jump into this uh, section, I just want to also uh, make mention, you have probably have noticed and have asked me, there's somebody missing. Three, three, two, two-thirds of your family is missing. And that is correct. Yeah, Wensi and Milo are not here. Uh, they went down to the Dominican Republic to go visit um, her family, right? And and that is the nature of this relationship, right? Is that they're over there, I'm here. Uh, she has decided at this time, we have both decided that the Lord has here in South Florida. So they do, as we can, we go down there to visit so they, especially that the grandparents can see Milo and their first grandchild. But uh, her status at this point is a resident. Not to get too into the details, but um, she still needs to maintain her citizenship in another country, and that allows her to travel. But to get back in the country is her or is her status as a resident. Uh, we knew her residency was expired. They gave her an extension um, between getting the next step, which we already applied last year. So we knew that was expiring. But what happened is both of us misinterpreted the date which we thought was May 12th, which actually was April 22nd. So she came back uh, uh, May 8th, she was planning to, but they stopped her at the airport and said, listen, you can't go any further, they're not going to let you in the country. So uh, so that those first three days when we heard about that were a little emotional, right? So like, what do we do? Oh my goodness. Cause, I mean, if there's any, I mean, we don't want to rebel against any form of authority, right? But if there's two branches of government that you don't want to mess with, one is, uh, we have two servants of them here is the IRS, right? When the IRS is coming after you, they got their stuff in. Or actually, there's probably more FBI you probably include. But the other one is 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 um, the uh, immigration or USCIS, right? Is that they have their things in order and, and they look at you as a number and they have to go through by the law. And it's, it's not a lot of exceptions, right? So um, in any case, uh, she called the embassy. I called the... Um, the former government here, they both said the same thing. Listen, because her, her residency has expired and the extension is expired, she needs to apply for this form to get back in. And that part was, it was a $575 thing just to get her back in the country. So it was, it was a, it was a costly thing, but thank the Lord everything worked out. And she had an appointment last Tuesday and uh, she went in. Everything was good. It was very quick. Uh, they just really wanted to know why, you know, it, it, uh, it expired. So now we're just waiting for everything to get, a, uh, for them to prepare the document and then she'll be able to come back into the country. Uh, but one thing I, I do want to say as I update and I, I, we appreciate all the saints that we're praying is, is when you consider events like this and, uh, I was reminded of a story in John, John 9, but there's a group of, um, people who bring a blind man who was born blind, it says, and they bring him to, to the Lord, and they said, listen, tell us this, 
did this man sin or his parents because now look, well, what they're saying is, listen, here's a man who's born blind. Did his parents sin or did he sin because of this? And so that's how we work. You know, we, we kind of think too, because we think that way is we're, we're rea- reactionary, right? There's an, a cause and there's an effect. So we know God is just and he has to punish sin. So that's why this must be that, right? So they're looking at this man. Well, who did it? Now that question is a little deeper than that if you think about it, because if his parents is not the answer, it must be this person. So that person was born blind, so they didn't even have the opportunity to sin. So what are they saying? Well, God knew ahead of time that person was going to be a sinner, so I'm going to make him blind. So really, they're a tying to God all this malevolent things. And, it's, and sometimes we can think like that. Well, God can only operate in what I understand. Well, you know, God's answer to them, right? It's, it's so precious, is that, no, this man was made was allowed to be like this because he was going to be a work of God. God was going to work through him and he was going to glorify God through this example, right? Through this situation that he was in. Now, of course, he didn't understand that at the time, right? But now I'm not saying that we have um our situation, you know, there's no blindness involved or anything like that. But you know, sometimes we find ourselves in some situation like, ah, oh, how can we how can we try to get out of this as quickly as possible? But you know, sometimes the Lord has to bring us through different things to teach us, but also that this could be an opportunity that we can glorify where God can use us, right, and use our our body, right, to uh, to be a tool for His glory, right, and to those around. So anyway, it, it was uh, it still is not over, right? She's still over there, and we're still uh, waiting on it. But um, we do appreciate the prayers, and so. Lord willing, she will be coming back uh, whenever uh, the paperwork does get worked out. But in any case, that's where they're at. They're doing well. Uh, Milo is potty trained, so that was one of the things we were waiting on. And while we're over there, the parents, uh, they've never driven in their life, never owned a car. Um, the family car was a, a motorcycle, which there have been some horrific accidents that kind of scared some of the family members from it. But that's the way to get around, either that or public transportation. But one of uh, my... Mother-in-law's uh, brothers gave them their first car. So Wincy also just learned how to drive. So it just was a nice timing that she's there and able to teach him. So, of course, driving there is different than it is driving here. Uh, but in any case, um, she is being used to there locally at that tr- uh, the church where she grew up. But here we are back in uh, Luke 5. We're just 11 verses. We're just going to read through them since it's only 11. And then... Um, We'll make an initial comment what we're going to try to highlight on, and then we'll look into it. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing on him to hear the word of, of God, and this is Jesus, they were pressing on him, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him, to, they asked him to be put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put, in, uh, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered, now this is Peter before, right? His name was changed from Simon. So Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word... I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they singled, uh, signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And when they came, uh, when they came, they filled both boats so it began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And uh, for he and all those who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they have taken. And, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, for they were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And, uh, and when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So that is from, uh, I assume that's where they get the title, is catching these fishermen, right? These fishermen in particular, uh, Peter, uh, Andrew, his brother, and James and John, two other brothers, were going to be apostles, right? Those who the Lord Jesus was going to bring close, that he was going to, uh, there was going to be a work. Now, first initial um, observations as we look at our story. Luke is the only one that I found that uses this term, the Lake Gennesaret. Now, if you can think of, uh, if you ever looked at a picture of Israel, um, either on Google Maps or in some ancient map, but you, if you look at Israel today, right, there's on your left side, and you're looking down at it, the Mediterranean Sea. There's two bodies of water. There's one up here, and then there's like a river in between. That's the River Jordan, and there's one down here. The one down here is called the Dead Sea. The one at the top is called the Sea of Galilee. Luke uses this, this term Gennesaret. Now, Gennesaret is a region where the Lord Jesus says he's traveling, right? There is 30 some odd miracles that were recorded. Of course, there are a lot more, John alludes to. And, but there was, um, 30 some odd miracles recorded. In this region that this is actually happening, the Lord Jesus travels around a lot. Uh, over half of them are recorded here. So the Lord Jesus travels around this area, the Sea of Galilee, Lake Gennesaret, and it's in this northeastern area. So uh, Capernaum, uh, Tiberias, uh, some of these towns that you might re- recognize, they're in this area, right? And so that land is called Gennesaret, and it's a very fertile land. Um, as you can see, uh, these four uh, men, before they were apostles, were fishermen. Their livelihood was on the sea. And so it is a very, um, it's a very populous place because of the terrain, right? The terrain is good for farming. Um, it's good for fishing. There's a lot of commerce going in through this, the Sea of Galilee or Lake Gennesaret. So that's where they're at. So here he is. The Lord Jesus is coming. And... At this point of where he's at, he's already known. He's already come through. Now, this is what I want to, to get to, but I went ahead and... Um, which way is it? Pointing this way? Okay. So when we think about the, the, the accounts of the Gospels, right, we have four books that we commonly known as the Gospels. And what it was is it, what it is is their their account, right? The Spirit of God used these four different guys and their view of the gospel. Now, we get this term, you probably have heard it before, um, you've heard this term synoptic, or 
of the same, right? It's the same uh, synopsis. So you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're they're very common in their um, they're very common in their in their view, and so they're considered the synoptic uh, viewpoint of the gospel. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, indicated by that yellow, is different. This thing I just ripped it off. John is different. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all, um, they're the same in the sense that they're the, some of the stories and the, the words are verbatim in what they, and in the way they were, especially between uh, Matthew and Mark. And, and I want to get to it in a second, but our story, uh, there is some differences in Luke, but you can consider the synoptic gospels being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's a little bit different. Okay, so what they're looking at is the life of Jesus. Now, I don't want you to get too wrapped up in this. I started going down this, and I thought, oh, this will be great information. And really what I tried to do is, up until this point, is to timeline the events up into where our story is. Now, again, the Gospels aren't necessarily written in chronological order. But... um, because, you know, John, I, I mean, we can agree the first point is before time, right? Before we even existed, God was there, right? So that's John 1, 1, 3. We can all agree with that, I assume, right? But beyond that, there's different things that happen chronologically. Now, this is, of course, there's room for, for improvement. There's room for correction. But what I want to look at, especially what our story is right here. Oh, I have a laser pointer is the calling especially of, of these apostles. When I came to this, I think, well, this is great. But then, wait a second. In John 1, 35 and 39, there's another story where Jesus is interacting with them. And then, if you keep going, there, this is the one we're looking at. Here in 5, this is the one that we're in in Luke. But also, Mark and, and Matthew record something different. And the language is a little bit different. That Jesus is there walking along the shore, he sees them cleaning their nets, and he says, follow me, and they follow him. But this is different. This is where the, the crowd is pressing him, right? At this point, at this stage of Jesus' life, the, uh, after the, the baptism of Jesus by John, it seems to be that the, the, the Spirit of God takes Jesus out into the wilderness, and then there's the temptation, right? Forty days with the devil. He comes back, and then that starts after... Uh, John the Baptist's arrest, it seems to indicate that Jesus then is put back on the scene, right? And he's the forefront. And now he's taken over, right? John the Baptist has prepared the way, right? He's pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus. After his arrest, then Jesus takes over. So at this point, this is after that. After John, the, after Herod arrests John the Baptist. So he begins in Galilee, this area that we were just talking about, Gennesaret. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's, it's very populous. There's a lot of uh, people that are living there. And uh, on his way to Galilee, we have that Samaritan, uh, you know, he makes that detour to Samaria. But uh, here in Capernaum, where he goes and uh, he, he's talking to the crowd, this is where he again meets Peter, uh, these, these, pre, uh, these apostles before they became apostles, but Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, and John. Now, I just want to highlight this is because this is is the Lord is calling these individuals to follow Him. And this isn't the first time, right? And it really reveals the, the heart of God, right? One of the things that I, I, I 
what struck me about this passage is, you know, the Lord, the Creator came to do a great work. And almost it seems like, it's not the very first thing, but the, one of the first things that He does is He brings these individuals who He's come to save, He's come to bring them back to Him, to reconcile back to God, but He brings them close to Him so they can do the work too with Him, right? They can be His witnesses, not angels, not angelical, you know, in, uh, heavenly bodies, and in different ways that He used to speak and interact with us, but He brings men close to Him. And, on top of it, we know ourselves, they were guys that were just as fickle in their emotions as we are, right? The minute that Jesus was in trouble, and He was uh, arrested, and, and on His way to the cross, they spread out, right? And that was even... That was even prophesied before. So he brings these guys close to him, but this is not the first interaction that he's had with Peter, especially, or or Andrew, or James and John. So it seems like, from what I can tell, is that his. it seems that after the, the miracle in Cana and John 2, they believed they were saved. But he, he had multiple interactions with them. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And eventually, it got through to them. Listen, what I'm doing right now with my life, it's getting in the way. It's getting in the way. I, I need to go after it and I need to leave everything behind. Now, am I saying that as a Christian that we need to discard everything that, you know, that is before us, family, job? They, they were called to a particular purpose. But every servant, right, every servant, every Christian is called to leave behind, right? There can't be anything in the way between me and my Creator, my Redeemer, and so, and and so th- th- this is their this is their calling. So this is at least at least the second recorded time or the third, right? That the Lord Jesus Christ in interacting with these first apostles. So really, what I want to look at in, in the few remaining minutes, as we look at this story, is this: I want to bring out some application. We're just going to look at what does it look like to to be three observations of a servant Lord. Now, these these eventually would be servants of the Lord, apostles, right? But we want to look at what about us? What can we learn from this? Now again, I mean it, it just it's so encouraging to see that that God doesn't give up. Right? He's more I've said this has been said to me and I've said it repeat, repeated it before, but he's far committed to my well being, my Christian growth than even I am. Sometimes I make choices that are bad for me, but he's more, he's more committed to my health, my well-being, my Christian life than even I am. And so he, he's out there, he's, you know, these guys, well, yeah, follow me. And they, then they, maybe they were following just for a little bit, but then they went back to fishing. And then, you know, then he makes a detour and comes back by them again. Hey, follow me. And they said, okay, maybe I'll follow you just for a little bit. Oh, well, well you know, it's dinner time. I got to go back to my family. And then again, he's out there, follow me. He wouldn't give up, right? They wanted to give up. They wanted to follow Christ at its sort of a distance and kind of, you know, hold on to what they had before. No, he was calling them to something different, right? He was calling them to be catchers of men or fishermen. But he was relentless in going after these men. But what does it look like from this passage to be a servant of the Lord? We're just going to look at three little things. Now, I'm sorry, Michael. I could not get the same letter. I really tried to help us remember, but I do have three in the present participle. So at least you can remember in that way. So verse number five. 
Verse number 5 of our, our text reads this way. It says, as we look at this, Simon answered. Now, again, the crowds are pressing on Jesus. Um, instead of pushing them away, go back to your homes. He gets in the boat. So he gets in a boat so they can, you know, they can all see him and they could all hear him. And he, he decides to get an assignment. Of course, that was on purpose, right? Because he knew who these guys were. They knew who he was, but he had a purpose with them. But he tells them to, after everything is done, after the message is done, he tells them, let's go out and fishing. Now, look at what Simon says in five. Let's go out for a fish. He says, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So the first thing we need to do, really, this, before this, obviously we need to become a Christian. <laughs> you know, you can't be a servant of God until you are a Christian. Right? And so, this would be the second thing, is to yielding to His command. Now, look at what he says here. He says, we've already been out there. The fish and, and it, 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 nature and whatever, you know, I'm not a fisherman, so I can't pretend like, well, this is the best time to go. But obviously, I'm just taking up what he knew. He says, listen, we've already been out there. We've already been toiling all night. The best time to fish is at this time is in the middle of the night, not during the day. But you know what? If you're going to command it, I'm going to do it. And sometimes we find ourselves in that situation. You know, we, again, if God's far more committed to our Christian life and our well-being than we are, we need to trust Him that He knows what He's talking about. Sometimes we want to align what we want and what God wants, but, you know, let me, let me try to see if I can put what I want, you know, just in front of what God wants, and hopefully they align. It doesn't work like that. He is, not only because He is our Redeemer... He is our king, but he's our creator, right? Multiple, uh, uh, multiple positions that he has, but we need to yield to his command, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Even if it doesn't make sense to us. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the net. So, you know, sometimes we can look at a situation and say, well, you know, even we're thinking about our story about uh, Wincy coming back, you know, could God have provided a miracle? Yeah, you know, but when I think, okay, how can he provide a miracle in this case? Well, maybe Wincy's resident card would come in the mail, and then that would be a miracle. But, I mean, couldn't he do something more miraculous? He could just make them appear right in my house, you know? So he's able to do beyond what I think he's able to do in some kind of box, right? I, I limit myself because I have forces of nature. I have laws that press down on me that limit my understanding of things. But he is, operates beyond that, right? And so if he commands me to go there, don't you think I should do it, even though it doesn't make sense? Of course, that's the nature it's not even just boss and employee. That's the nature between creator and create. Yeah, createe, creation, <laughs> creation. Right? I'm the creation, and he's the ma- he's my lord. Right? He's my lord. I am the servant. So if he commands me to go somewhere, even though it doesn't make sense to me, I need to yield to his command. Now, this is something. And you you don't even have to be in a job. You can just look in your own heart. Right? That sometimes this is something we wrestle with because the manager, right, our manager might ask us to do something. Now, of course, 
he's a flawed or she's a flawed individual. But as a Christian, right, we're to yield to the authorities that God has placed over us. But they ask us to do something, and I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. No, there's a better way, there's a more efficient way of doing it. And, and then we're out there fighting, and then you know what? We're doing exactly the opposite, right? That reveals our heart, that we want to be the one in charge. We want to be the one to say, listen, this is what I need to do because it's best for me. Well, that's not the case, right? In the relationship between servant and Lord, right? We're working out our Lord's will and what's best for him. And I need to yield to his command. So even though it didn't make sense to Peter, he says, you know what, at your word, I'll go out. But sometimes we find ourselves, you know, where we're not in that situation, right? Or we're acting as the Lord, even though he is Lord. And we're commanding what our life needs to be doing and we're directing it that way. Well, we need to return to the place. Look at verse 8. Returning to the place, but when Simon Peter saw it, right, they bring in the, the fish. Uh, it was obviously a catch that really sunk to him that this is, this is a miracle. And it was so big that they, they brought in the fish that the boats began to sink. And when Peter saw this, he fell down at the knees, at, at, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The place, the returning to the place is at Jesus' knees. There's another recorded story of another servant. And his name is Isaiah. And he had a vision. And this is in Isaiah 6. And this is after a certain king, it says, died, that he was brought up into heaven. And he gets this magnificent view of the courtroom of God, right? He has, he sees these creatures flying about and just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then what is, what is, uh, Isaiah's reaction to this? Woe is me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't even, I don't even belong here. I'm a sinful man. I have sinful lips. I can't be in this holy place. Woe is me. And then there's, you know, the, there's interaction with the seraphim and his, his sin is cleansed, but, what he's doing is he's calling out for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. And this is what Peter's saying. Listen, depart from me. I can't be around this. I, I, you're too good. You're holy. Depart from me. Uh, falling down at his knees is the place that we need to sometimes return to because we've not yielded to his command. Or we've gotten that relationship all mixed up. And we need to return to his knees and calling out for mercy. And really, right, the Lord know, knew, right, He's left us here for a purpose. And when you think about it, when you've gotten saved, you know, He didn't just take you out and give you a new body, don't have to battle with that old man, but there is going to be times, right, that the sin's going to come back and we have to battle with it. Well, we have an avenue, right, confessing our sin to Him. He is faithful and just. Uh, he is faithful in justice to forgive us of that sin, right? And that have that relationship restored. And sometimes it's a great place to be at, right? At the knees of Jesus. A person who's all good, all loving, that's where we want to be, right? The more that I'm in control of my life and I'm di- dictating where I need to go, the worse I find it to be. I find myself getting in more trouble. So falling back, returning back to the knee, uh, returning to the place, and that's at the knees of Jesus, asking for mercy, confessing. And then finally, last point, is removing anything in the way. 
this is also, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, I'm honest with me, is a big struggle, uh, is, is where the Lord wrestles with us. Look at this in verse 11. It says, and when they brought, and when they had brought their boats to land, so after they have the fish, they bring their boats to land, they says they left every, everything and followed him. Now again, I said this from the beginning. Does the, does the Lord call us to leave everything as far as job, sometimes family, to follow him? Some people it is yes, but not everybody, right? Some people are, uh, serving the Lord. They're still servants and they're still, you know, submitting to, yielding to his command, but they have a job, they have a family, and sometimes that's the norm, right? But they removed anything for them. Fishing, nets, and boats were what holding them back from following the Lord. Now, on my way here, Lord used it as a little bit of rebuke, but I'm on my way here. Of course, we know the weather, it's all raining. But sometimes you're going here, you know, you see people exercising, that's nice. But it was raining really hard. And I saw, I mean, I've never seen this many. Four people on the way here at different places out there running. Now I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's great. You know, they're pretty dedicated. But you know what it said to my heart? If I want to do something, I will make the time to do it. So, you know, sometimes we like to use that excuse, me too, including, well, I just don't got the time for it. Well, you know, maybe, you know, I just, you know, where am I going to fit that in? If my, if I really want to do it, I will make the time, right? As individuals. Now, when we're talking about the Christian life, of course, it's the Holy Spirit that's working through us. But I need to yield to Him. I need to allow Him to work, right? And sometimes what's hindering it is because I like to hold those nets on the way of serving the Lord. I like to hold those things that are dragging me and holding me down, right? And still, with the same time... Now, the Lord also talks about this. He says that you're... In, this is in Luke 9, I believe, is that there are those who are unfit for the kingdom of heaven. You know what this says? He says the description, those who put their hand to the plow and they're looking back at the same time. And there was a cost to follow God, right? There was a cost. And sometimes we like to do that. We like to drag. Sometimes it's pleasures. Sometimes it's what we do in our free time. Well, Lord, you know, we just had a, a it was fitting just a few weekends ago, right? An encouragement about our relationship, really. And all of this could be summed up in that. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So the things that I'm really involved with, that I love, and that I spend my time with, that's the things I find easiest to dictate my life and to talk about, right? And if I don't have any relationship, and I don't focus any time on it, and I don't spend any time with the Lord, this stuff is going to be hard for me to do. Is it not? I'm going to be serving what I pour my life into, whether it be work, whether it be something different, making money, uh, advancing. And all, we need all those things. We need shelter. We need food. We need family. We need love. But the Lord needs to be the top of that, right? And so if is there anything in the way for me serving the Lord? And it needs to be renewed out of the way. And for them, it was those nets. They had to leave those nets behind, and they followed him. Now, of course, the different stages of their life, right? There was, there was uh, interactions and there was more drawing the Lord closer. Was this the last time that they were ever going to have to deal with this? Of course not, right? Peter, after the Lord had, had died and he'd gone to heaven, and there was, you know, they saw the empty tomb. You know what they ended up doing? 
They went back to fishing. Well, this is what I know. He's gone. Now what? Right? So, so, and then, you know what he ends up doing? He meets them again on the shore, just similar to this, right? So the Lord is, is far committed to them and their growth and seeing them grow closer to him than we are, right? So there he is ministering to them. So it does happen at different times that the servant, sometimes the Lord needs to come down and correct. Sometimes he needs to speak to the heart. So we're just, I just wanted to bring out these three observations of the servant Lord that one, he yields to the command of his Lord. If the Lord asks you to do it, even though it doesn't make sense, it's his command, still go out there and do it. Sometimes we need to return to the place, falling on his knees, asking for mercy, right? Confessing our sin to him and then removing anything in the way. Sometimes we like to follow the Lord and we like to still bring our nets with us and it slows us down. We were talking to the kids not that long ago um, and even them at, at that age, and we talked about a swimmer, an Olympic swimmer. Now, of course, technology has changed and then the suits that they wear, I'm, I'm sure, are a little more, are much more air, um, better to go through the water. But if I were to jump into the water with this, you know, they even they said, no, you wouldn't get that far. It's so much drag. You know, you're, you're carrying too much weight. And that's exactly how sometimes we like to follow the Lord, right? We like to carry the weights of this world and still try to follow Him and looking before. But really, right, the Lord tells us, you can't serve two masters. And even though we don't say it with our own mouth, but our hearts are doing it. We say, yes, we want to follow the Lord, but yet there's something else that we just want to drag along with us, right? Or we want to go after. It doesn't work like that, right? We want to be, fu- we want to be fully dedicated to Him. Now, again, I'm not saying that we need to forsake everything that the Lord has given us. Sometimes the Lord has called those to go after Him, leaving family, um, place, going to different countries, what have you, but we can serve the Lord in what He's given us right now, right? In His calling, He's commanded it. Um, we need to go out there and do it, right? And so if there's anything in the way, leave that behind. Leave it on the shore and go after Him. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank You for this. We just thank You for Your Word. We just ask You to help us to, to enact it, Lord. We know that we have many things that hinder us from you, Lord, We're, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to our relationship with you, Lord. We get in the way, and we just confess that as sin. And Lord, we just want to do what you have commanded. We just ask you to help us, and we just want to be pleasing to you as our Lord and we as servants. And we just ask you to give us uh, safety as we're traveling on the road. It's very wet and dangerous, and we just pray for the evangelistic studies tonight, Lord. We just pray for anyone here who does not know your Son as Savior, Lord, who does not know the true meaning of life and having it restored with the author author of life. We just pray, Lord, that they would come to know your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is life itself. And so we just ask your blessing on the rest of this day. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.